0: Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for using me to deliver this precious manna from heaven. Thank you for this amazing day that marks the greatest event in human history. We thank you, Lord, for loving us so much and teaching us and bringing us up to be strong and to be a help to the body of Christ. To heal, empower, love, and prosper. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we have come here today to remember the greatest event in human history. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Without this event, I like to say to people, Christmas doesn't matter without Easter. Without this event, nothing else matters at all. I know the world is caught up in itself and... Many times believes that they are the center of the universe and all that there is, but the whole history of this world and of mankind and time, as we know it, it was all wrapped around bringing forth a family for God out of out of out of humankind. Amen. Amen. <laughs> And so today, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Recently, I've been encouraging everyone to study and to reflect upon Jesus' life. I always like the weeks prior to Resurrection Sunday to reflect on the life of our Lord Jesus, the humanity of our Lord Jesus. How amazing he was in his life. How he prepared for 30 years for a three and a half year ministry. And the amazing things that he did. We talked about last week as he, as the time came close for him to be called up to heaven. He set out resolutely, his mind made up, to go to Jerusalem. Knowing what awaited him there. And then last week we paused for just a moment of refreshing in the life of our Lord and King in Bethany, a town just outside of Jerusalem where his friends lived. He stopped there and he had a they threw a dinner for him at the home of Simon the Leper, only time the man's mentioned in scripture. But that just by his name, we know that this was someone that Jesus cured of leprosy. How do we know that? Well, first of all, he wouldn't have been having a dinner at his home for all these people if he still had leprosy. And we also know that he wouldn't be in Jesus' presence for very long with leprosy. And that goes for all of you too. Leprosy being a picture, a type and shadow of the sin that you came with. And the sin that you added to your sin nature. Just... Because the devil compelled you to do it. Before you knew Jesus. But a moment in his presence. Will free anybody. From that terrible affliction. Either spiritual or natural. Amen. So there he was. Reclining at the table. In Simon the leper's house. And Lazarus was there. Whom he had raised from the dead. Also Lazarus two sisters. Martha and Mary. 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 Adored the Lord, Martha did too, but she was struggled with her balancing her service to others and her worship of the Lord. The disciples who were there who had seen endless, countless miracles, signs and wonders from our Lord Jesus Christ. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy from the Old Testament being fulfilled in their presence daily. They say that just a handful of the abundance of prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, just just four or five of those, for those to be accomplished in the way that they were exactly as they had been prophesied by a person. The chances of, of that is like stacking the state of Texas two feet deep in silver dollars and marking one of them with a a pin mark, and throwing it out somewhere in the middle of Texas, and then allowing someone to go and pick one, and that be it. (laughs) He's the real deal, amen? But he didn't get to stay there in Bethany. It was a great opportunity for him to receive a little bit of rest and appreciation and love, and some good food and good times with his friends. But then they sent him off to face his destiny. And we know that he entered into Jerusalem. Along with all the other Passover lambs who had been raised up to be slaughtered for that week, for that meal in Jerusalem. Except he was the real Passover lamb. No more animal sacrifices would ever be needed after this week. And he did it. Let's look into Isaiah 53. I just want to look briefly at how it was written hundreds of years before he arrived, how it was written by Isaiah the prophet. About what Jesus would endure on our behalf. And I back up just a couple of scriptures to 52, verse 14. It says, As many were astonished at you talking about Jesus, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance. He was beaten so badly, you couldn't even make out the fact that he was a, a human being anymore. People, my wife has a hard time with the passion of the Christ. I'm so thankful that it was depicted in such a an amazing manner. And I, I really do appreciate Mel Gibson for that. But I want to tell you this, as ugly... As it was, it wasn't ugly enough. It was really worse. Jesus definitely wasn't like the the nice looking crucifix that we have on the wall with a little drop of blood coming from his side. No. Here's what happened. His appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond all, beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. For he grew up, going to verse 2 of 53, for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. There was nothing special in the natural about Jesus. He was an ordinary man. And I think it's awesome that God did it that way. I think that's just how he would do it. The same way he was born in a lowly manger. A feeding trough for animals. But he was just a normal looking guy. Wasn't anything beautiful or astounding about him in the natural. No beauty that we should desire him it says. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus... Whenever you're going through tough times, read these verses. He went through everything that you do. He felt all the pain and rejection and craziness of this world. He endured it all. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before it shears is silent so he opened not his mouth by oppression and judgment he was taken away he didn't he didn't complain he could have called out to his father he could have called out and And an army of angels would have come and delivered Him from this. And God could have started over. But He endured it all on our behalf because He loved us so. He looked beyond the cross, despising its shame. He saw you in His future. And He saw me. He willingly, on the cross, gave up the ghost and fulfilled his earthly destiny to be literally born to die. For you and for me. Meanwhile. I. The Saturday before Easter yesterday. I was very busy all day. But. As I try to encourage people to do. You're going to think about something all day. No matter if you're working or not. You can worry. You can wonder. (laughs) You can think about Jesus. And I was thinking about him all day. Saturday has always intrigued me before Easter. Holy Saturday. They call it in some parts of Christianity. I think of it as silent Saturday. Because there's really... Not much mention of Saturday in the Bible. All the other days of Holy Week have a, have a thing. But silent Saturday. And I, and I always reflect on that and think of all the times when it seems like God's not there. It seems like He hasn't heard your prayers. It seems like everybody else can get a word from God, but you can't hear a thing. He's forgotten you. But listen, while Jesus was gone down into the grave, he he was working on your behalf. Even then he went down into the depths of hell and he preached to those who were lost, those who were disobedient during the times of it mentions the times of of Noah when he was building the ark. He went down there and completed his mission to conquer death, hell, and the graves. And he came back victorious. Amen. Turn over to Matthew chapter 27. Around the 62nd verse. Because while Jesus was gone temporarily in his spirit to take care of some other business, his body was there in the tomb. They had rolled a a giant stone over the entrance of that tomb, remember? And here we are on the, the third day, on the morning of what we call Easter, at the tomb where Jesus was laid to rest. And I want to read this starting at verse 62. And the high priest stood up and said, "'Have you no answer to make? "'What is it that these men testify against you?' But Jesus remained silent, and the high priest said to him, "'I adjure you by the living God, "'tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God.' Jesus said to him, "'You have said so, "'but I tell you from now on "'you will see the Son of Man "'seated at the right hand of the power "'and coming on the clouds of heaven.' then the high priest tore his robes and said he has uttered blasphemy what further witnesses do you need you have now heard this blasphemy what is your judgment and so they had killed jesus but i want to i want to just show you that because i want to remind you of it in a moment turn over now to john chapter 20 I love to read from John because he had a great revelation of Jesus' love for him. He was a witness to all these events. He did not run away, but because he understood Jesus' love for him and who he was and and who Jesus really was, he was of spiritual employment throughout the entire event at the foot of the cross with the mother of Jesus. Who Jesus turned over to him from that day forward. I want to read from John chapter 20. Now on the first day of the week. This is where George was earlier. Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. While it was still dark. And saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple. The one whom Jesus loved. That's how John talks about himself. (laughs) And said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out and the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb, but both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first and stooping to look in. He saw the linen clothes lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener. She said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. What a... I would love to just run through all the events of that day. It was a great day of beautiful chaos in the lives of all those disciples and friends and loved ones of Jesus. But I tell you this, he appeared that first day five times. He appeared there to Mary Magdalene first and then to the other women. And then he appeared to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus where he had the most amazing Bible study he concealed himself in the natural and opened himself up to them through the scriptures to show them that these are the things that had to take place and gave them understanding. It's a beautiful picture of what, why Jesus did that. He could have easily bypassed that entire journey and all that long Bible study just by saying, look, it's me. But he concealed his, his look so that they wouldn't know it was him. And he showed them himself through the scriptures. Because they were dejected. They were saying, uh, don't you know anything to this guy? That This was Jesus, was supposed to be our, our Savior. He was supposed to be the Messiah. He was supposed to deliver the Jews from this oppression. They were looking for a physical and a political and a military deliverance and Savior. But what they needed was what they got, a spiritual Savior. That's the greatest need of all mankind. Just like George mentioned earlier, without the spirit of God, you will never see the kingdom of God. You have to be born again. If you don't have his spirit, you're not his. And so he was showing themselves something that we can rely on today. He knew that when you read about this, you would understand that Jesus is not with us in the physical anymore. His His spirit is with us now who will lead us and remind us of everything that He has said in His Word. We'll always have the Word. And the Word should supersede anything that we see or hear from anyone, whether it be a preacher or an angel or anything else. This Word is the final authority. And we always have this with us. When you pray, you should always have this with you. That's so how the Lord's going to speak to you. Nevertheless, then he appeared to Peter that day, didn't he? And then he appeared to all the disciples, except for Thomas, who was having a little bit of an issue. <laughs> See how you smile, though, when you talk about it's. I always say that God put all these embarrassing stories about all these people in the Bible, not to embarrass them, not because he didn't like them. Because he loves you and he wanted you to see them and, and draw strength from their trials and how the Lord strengthened them and restored them and loved them anyway. Just like he does you. Amen. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 15. I want to mention something to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We were just in 1 Corinthians for communion. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4 say. For I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received. This is just how Paul uh, starts off when he's telling them about, uh, teaching them about taking communion. Remember that? I give to you what I received from the Lord. That's what he's saying here. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. This is a great summary of the gospel. The death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ are at the very heart of the gospel The essence of Christianity. The full weight of our faith has to be on both the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 15. If you go down to the 14th verse. If he hasn't been raised from the dead, then it doesn't matter that he hung on the cross. It doesn't matter that he came and was born in a lowly manger. Because he didn't fulfill anything. And he would be just like the other deceivers. Muhammad, the murderer, who's laying in his grave today. And Buddha, who's still in his grave today. So if it weren't for the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, our faith would be futile and we would still be in our sins. Then also the dead in Christ are lost. Those who went ahead of us, believing on him. If only for this life we have the hope in Christ, we of all people should be most pitied. But we're not because he did raise from the dead. I heard a disturbing story the other day after... The cathedral of Notre Dame had burned. I guess some people did something. But they say it was an accident. But some stories began erupting from there. And I came to learn that an overwhelming majority of those who call themselves Christian in that nation do not believe That Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead. So how do they call themselves Christian? They're no no better off than the rest of the world. Or to those deceivers who are burning churches all around the world. Only two choices regarding Jesus. But the choice must be made. Believe and receive or doubt and do without. But I warn you, without Christ, there's no connection to God the Father, only darkness. Look at Matthew chapter 28, and we're almost done. Matthew chapter 28, and I'm going to start reading at verse 16. And they they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Oh, wrong chapter. Sorry, that's 27. I'm like, man, we already passed that. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. To many, Easter is just about the Easter bunny. (laughs) Food, clothes, and candy, and family events. All of those things I really like. (laughs) For others, it's about going to church, maybe, but just as kind of an obligatory church-attending event, holiday, to get their gold star, Or to appease their conscience. Or their idea of what Christianity is all about. Then back to normal life. But it doesn't matter. If you go to church or don't. I mean, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. You know, but if you're a Christian, you belong in church. That's where you're going to grow. That's where you're going to learn. We called to help people come to Jesus. Ministers are not the ones who are supposed to be doing the work of the ministry. We're supposed to be discipling you to do the work of the ministry. Jesus has given you authority in this life to tell your story to others who will only ever hear you. I could preach forever. Billy Graham preached his whole life. Andrew Womack, Preaches to millions and millions. There are some who, will never, who don't even know who he is. And if they did hear him. They wouldn't respond. But when you tell your story to them. For some reason. That will be a divine connection. That God put them in your path. And that will be a seed sown. And it will take root in their heart. And bear fruit. And you'll see them in heaven. And they'll tell you. Had you not said that to me. Had you not invited me that day? Had you not told me that Jesus loved me too? I didn't think that was for me. I would have never known. Tavana and I grew up in a town with lots of great Christian kids. Not a one time in my whole childhood did one of them ever tell me about Jesus or invite me to church. And I love them. I'm not, I'm just saying that's not the way it's supposed to be. We're called to help people come to know Jesus, to know his word and to live a life of peace and power beyond the cross. A life focused not on an empty tomb, but a life focused on a living and active Lord Jesus Christ who is seated at the right hand of our father in heaven interceding for us today. You know, he's praying for you. He loves you and he wants to be invited into every part of your life to give you the right answers and to do all the heavy lifting in every area of your life. He's got broad shoulders. Don't carry the pack on your back. He'll give you the right answers. He'll restore all the things that are Lost? Repair the things that are broken. Heal you everywhere you hurt. He'll never leave you. Never forsake you. He's the friend who is closer than a brother. He wants nothing more than to be in a very close and intimate, passionate relationship with you. You know, I was... Out checking my mail just two days ago. And uh, Sammy and I, we love plants and gardening. And Tavana does too. And Harper's really getting used to it. But, you know, she had found acorns that, you know, have uh, had sprouted up a little bit. And she's intrigued by how the, the seed does that and everything. Nevertheless, I saw this little coming out of the ground by my mailbox and I have flowers there so I always pull the weeds and the little involuntary oak trees that try to take root but once they're this big they're usually very hard to to get out of the ground but it had been raining a whole lot and plus I water over there so the ground was soft and I pulled on it and I was able to to get it up out of the ground You see this from where my fingers are up. That's where the the line is. That's what was showing. But it was much deeper underground. This is how the word of God is. It's It's all in seed form. We have to receive the seed first into our garden, our hearts, the garden of our souls, and we have to protect it. We have to keep the weeds out. We have to keep the enemy from coming to steal it, which he does immediately. That's what the Bible t- teaches us. Today, he will try to steal this word that you've received. All the wonderful things that we're hearing from the Lord. He'll try to he'll try to create strife and, and things like that when you leave to steal this from your heart and your mind so you can't meditate on it so that you protect that seed and cause it to take root and bear fruit in your life. But on those... Holy Saturdays, those silent Saturdays when Jesus was in the tomb and it seemed so hopeless to all those disciples and the people who loved him. Don't ever believe that all hope is gone. Don't believe that he's left you or forsaken you just because you can't hear him. Sometimes he's doing his greatest work in those times of silence. Just continue to believe Christian hope is a confident expectation of good from God. We can believe for everything that we pray for according to the will of God. We know that he hears us and we have, we have received the things that we've asked for. But he says, believe when you pray that you have received what you've prayed for and you will have it. That seems backwards, but it's not. It's exactly how the kingdom of God works. There is seed. You see, at one time there was an acorn here. And by now it had totally dissipated. Sometimes you can pull it up and still have the acorn on it. But the root goes down much further before this thing is ever this big. The root is growing much deeper. And that's what it's like with the word of God. We have to receive it. We have to protect it and nurture it and meditate on it. Mull the things over. It's like a cow chewing the cud is how the Bible explains it. Get all the nutrients out of it. Make it your own. I tell people, I'll preach something to you 10 times. You'll write it down and you might share it from your notes with others because it's so good. But it's one of the several times later, you're going to stop giving me credit for it because the light has gone on in your heart and mind and it's yours now. It's a truth that Jesus has revealed to you The revelation knowledge is there and you don't have to give me credit because God has given it to you. You, you, You've seen it. And that's how it is. Brothers and sisters, God wants us to to know the same power that, that raised him from the dead. It says that the same power that raised him from the dead is living in us and gives life to these mortal bodies. That's why I reject sickness and infirmity. I don't allow it to be spoken over me. When I do say stupid things myself, I repent. I don't deny when things are trying to come against me, but I don't stop. I don't stop there. I don't stop without going further and saying, but... By Jesus' stripes I am healed. I will live and not die and proclaim the works of the Lord. No weapon formed against me will prosper. And every tongue rising against me, thou shalt condemn. For this is the inheritance of the children of God. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me and gives life to this mortal body. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and who heals all your diseases? Bless the Lord, O my soul. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the of heaven and earth. These are the things that I say all day long, every day. Stuff like that. (laughs) But there's power in that word. Those words are giving authority, legal right for the angels of God to work on my behalf. The favor of the Lord then surrounds me as a shield. So no weapon formed against me can prosper because I've taken my shelter in the shadow of his wings. God is my hiding place. He is the strong tower, my refuge that I run into. I don't run from him anymore when I do wrong. When when I'm not loving my wife like I should, I don't have any of the overt sin in my life that troubled me and plagued me when I was a young man before I knew God. But I still have some little road rage once in a while, or I might not, you know, we're never loving as, as greatly as we should, although I think she would say, I do a pretty good job. I've become the man that God created me to be. Finally, I'm so blessed that I didn't die before I got there, because I definitely opened every door for the devil to have legal right to come in and kill me, and he tried, but the Lord's, Spared me and I'm thankful. But the point is, when I do silly things, and that's often, I don't run from him anymore. Most people hide from him. When they feel condemned, the, the devil tells them they're not good enough. They're, they're, they're terrible and they're not a good Christian. you call yourself a Christian? He'll send people to say that sort of thing to you. Or he'll just whisper it in your ear himself. But I turn to the word of God. The Lord, the Holy Spirit reminds me of everything Jesus has said about me. And I rebuke the things the devil says about me. And I proclaim the the words of the Lord. And I run to him. And I repent to him first. And then after a minute he'll tell me. Okay now go tell her. (laughs) You know. I'm just using that as an example. But I want to read one more thing. Just since we're here on this. And then I'll maybe pick it up next week. But in Colossians chapter 2. Verses 12 through 15, it says you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. You understand? You were raised from the dead. You say, well, I've, I've only been alive this once. I'm not dead yet. No, you were dead. You were dead in sins and transgressions because you had the, the, the spirit of Satan because of what Adam and Eve did. And every seed, that corrupted seed that came after Adam has had that spirit of iniquity inside of us. Can't help it. You don't have to teach a baby to be selfish. They just are. And then and then you teach them that they're the center of the universe. And then you, at a certain point, you turn the tide on them and you have to st- teach them to undo all that. And, <laughs> and it's hard on them, you know. It's like, wait a minute. You don't want me to be selfish anymore? I thought I was the center of the universe. And so they spend the rest of their lives dying to themselves and learning to live for others. But only through Jesus Christ can we really, really learn that. And do it because there's a supernatural help that comes. But you were raised from the dead through faith in him. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Amen. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Listen, Jesus not only conquered Satan and his forces, but he stripped them of all their power and authority. He made an exhibit of them. The Greek word was from a base that described what the Romans called a triumphant procession. When they... When they would defeat an enemy, they would take that leader or that king and they would do terrible things. They would cut off his big toes and his thumbs and they would chain him up and walk him through town in the parade. So that the people of Rome could see that if this person had any authority or power over them to harm them, he was defenseless now. And he could never hurt them again, you see? And that's what the example that Paul is using, this natural example that people understood at the time to explain to us. This is what Jesus did to the devil. And he can't hurt you anymore. The only authority he has is what you give him with your own words and attitudes. And that's why we talk about these things so much, because it seems like such an innocent thing. Oh, I'm just joking or, uh, you know, I'm just being real. I hear that so often. Mm -hmm. No, real is right here because this is the only thing that's going to be here when all of this burns up and we're in heaven with the Lord. This word will remain because Jesus was, is the word made flesh. Amen. So part of the problem and all of the terrible things that we see going on around the world are because and its largely responsible is the church and the pulpit. And God is not light on those things because people aren't being taught. They're talking about all this power that the devil has over them. Instead of teaching people that he has no power, he's been relieved of his power. And now all he does is the same tricks he used in the garden, deceit and lies and trickery to get you to use your power for him. You see, God created everything we know with his words and and we're creative beings because he created us in his image. So our words are creating our future as we go. And out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. So it's all our, our thought life, you see. We can control that because we can't control the birds flying over our heads, but we can keep them from making a nest there, right? That's the way it is with words. We're supposed to take every thought Under subjection to the obedience of Christ. That means to the obedience of the truth of the word of God. Oh, God doesn't love you. Yes, he does. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Amen. (laughs) That's how you respond to him when he talks to you like that. You sow your seed into the, the kingdom of God. Because it's not enough to meet your needs. So you sow a seed. And the devil goes, man, you were bad off before. Now you've done that. Now what are you going to do when that don't work? You say, devil, wait till it does. The money's coming. And the same goes for every area of our lives. Amen. Amen. So remember that we have authority. We have power. The same power that raised our Lord and Savior from the dead lives in us and gives life to this mortal body. Now the next time we see him he's going to be coming back as a conquering king. Glorious with the armies of heaven and with all those who've gone before us. Meanwhile, he left us in charge of the church. All his authority has been given to us. We need to walk in and after the spirit of God with power and authority. We need to have a Get rid of the identity crisis that tells us that Satan can do anything to us because we're the ones that have the words of life for all of these people in the world who are sick and dying and hurting. I don't care who they are, what false religion or flag they fly under. Jesus died for them and he wants them to be saved. Do you know millions of Muslims around the world are coming to Jesus All we hear about is the other, you know. All the destruction they're doing. All we hear is the glorification of Satan's victories. But listen, the church has always flourished in times of greatest persecution. And it will again. Revival is coming. Be a part of it. Amen? Are you thankful today for that empty tomb? Instead of a crucifix with Jesus hanging on it on the wall, we should hang a picture of an empty tomb, Amen. That's what that's what really matters. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful day, this occasion, this resurrection power and life, this new beginning that Jesus has provided for us all. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were willing and obedient. And you came and you did what none of us could do for ourselves. We needed the kinsman redeemer, someone like us, to live a perfect life and to fulfill the requirements of the law on our behalf. And you did it. And we thank you, Lord, that you took our place on death row and that you went through with it. You drank the cup that the Father gave you to drink, looking past, despising the shame of the cross because you saw us in your future. Lord, help us to live up to that to learn to walk in power and victory and to know that we are truly the children of God, that Father, you have our picture and your wallet and you love us and no one can snatch us from your hand. You will never leave us or forsake us. And we thank you, Lord, for helping us to live the abundant and victorious Christian life that you've called us to while we wait for your imminent return. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you all.